0: now, David Fiorazzo.
1: Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for your support. It's been crazy. God has been uh, just blowing the doors off. Um, uh, his faithfulness has been so evident in this ministry, and we thank you. We had a fundraiser last week. We, we blew past our goal. I think we're 5,000-plus past the goal that we needed, and so we're just praising God. It's we acknowledge Him, um, and uh, I can't wait to get into some of what we're going to talk about today on religious freedom, on anti-Semitism, on global per- persecution, and also looking at Bible prophecy with Dr. Andy Woods. And uh, I'm ex- always excited to bring him on. He's one of my favorite teachers, and of course, he's from the Sugarland Bible Church in Texas. He's the president of Schaefer Theological Seminary founder of Andy Woods Ministries, and if you have not checked out his pastor's point of view, I'll put the link in the podcast notes today. It's on YouTube. Check that out as well. Dr. Andy Woods, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast.
2: Yeah, David, it's always a joy to be with you. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, it's wonderful. We really value your time, and since this is the National Day of Prayer, and hopefully more American Christians are focused on on what we need to do here as far as repentance in america and asking him to intervene in what's going on in our country in our government and the media just in our hearts and even in our churches i would like to ask you to open us in prayer if you would andy
2: yeah i'd be delighted Thank father you. we just uh, come before you today lift up today lift up this broadcast first of all but lift up the whole day which is a uh special day that we set aside for prayer, the National Day of Prayer. We're mindful of the book of James chapter 5 and verse 16, which tells us that the prayer of a righteous man or woman is, uh, is fervent and powerful and effective. And we know that you honor prayer and you ask us to pray and praying involves faith. And so we just ask today that our country would be you know, dominated and pervaded by prayer and people would be seeking uh, your will as they approach God the Father through God the Son under the direction of God the Holy Spirit and so thank you for this privilege of prayer that we have mm-hmm. and help it today to be brought to our attention our consciousness that we need to be people of prayer we need to be as Paul wrote to the Thessalonians to be to pray without ceasing mm-hmm. So we just ask that you'll do this great work, and we lift all of these things up in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Andy. Um, we are going to jump right in here. I've got a, a little note by Matt Staver, um, Liberty Counsel, and he is concerned about religious freedom in America. He's got a lot of court cases pending. In fact, he is representing one of our other Stand For The Truth guests, Pastor Steve Smotherman, Legacy Church in uh, New Mexico because the government there fined them, fined that church $10,000. But so Matt Staver said, religious freedom doesn't matter to the Biden White House. And I would like your response, Andy, on Joe Biden's National Day of Prayer proclamation just came out, of course, this morning. He mentioned people's faiths and their own consciences. He said, I join all people of faith in prayers for spiritual guidance and mercy. And um, David Brody, put out a great tweet. He said, Joe Biden's National Day of Prayer proclamation has been released, and it doesn't even mention God. Not once. And he says, How do you release a proclamation about prayer and not mention God at all? Of course, it mentions climate change and racial justice. This is truly pathetic and not surprising. And before you respond to Andy Woods, uh, President Donald Trump mentioned God about a dozen times Uh, last year in his National Day of Prayer proclamation. Two different administrations when it comes to God, faith, and religious freedom, right?
2: Yeah, you know, I would just say that the left, you know, for a long time has just tried to remove God from the equation, and I think there's a reason for it. Um, As long as we believe in God, you know, as expressed in the Declaration of Independence, then our political rights can't be taken away, because thomas jefferson was very clear in the declaration of independence that we are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights and if you're a big government type of person where you think the state is god then your first order of business is to get rid of god and if you get rid of god then inalienable rights disappears Mm -hmm. and so you'll find this pattern amongst leftists for example you remember when Biden was trying to quote the Declaration of Independence, and he got to God's name, and <laughs> yes. he called him the thing, you know? You know the thing. Right. <laughs> and uh, I noticed Obama doing the same thing. He would quote the Declaration of Independence when he was in office, and he then he would get to God, and there'd be this, like, awkward pause, and he'd, you know, blink several times as if, you know, he didn't want to mention God. And a lot of times he'd quote it without mentioning God at all. So here we go again, you know, as Yogi Berra said, it's deja vu all over again. <laughs> and uh, we've got Joe Biden, you know, talking about the National Day of Prayer without without mentioning God. Yep. That's a pretty big omission. But I, I guess I'd like to communicate the fact that this is just part of a longstanding pattern amongst the left.
1: Yes. And I think it was Jenna Ellis that, that tweeted something this morning, says... Uh, um, so, what God does Joe pray to? I mean, he doesn't mention God. We don't know. Um, he, of course, I guess, claims to be Catholic, but is one of the most pro-abortion presidents, and that's saying something. After the oh, Biden, I mean, the Obama administration before Trump was the most not only hostile toward biblical Christianity, but the most pro-abortion president as far as his policies. Obamas, but now we've got a Biden who's you know trying to you know take that up a notch. Um, Andy, let, let's talk about something also from a perspective of religious freedom, global persecution. Now, we, we've been so spoiled and blessed here in America with the Constitution that we have, with the First Amendment and our freedoms, and w- we cannot really define persecution the same way uh, as far as what's happening overseas, what's happening in the Middle East, in Africa, as far as the censorship in America, although we're heading that direction. But I would love for you to share some of the points that you, I actually before we go that before we go to nations against Israel and uh, uh, what you shared in the pastor's point of view, I, I want to flip over to this report from China Aid, and mm-hmm. just briefly mention some key findings uh, in their religious freedom report. Um, they research persecution in China, and here are some of the trends. And I'll let you respond, uh, mm-hmm. Andy. Um, China Communist Party authorities completed nine documented church demolitions, disconcerting more than 5,000 church members and attendees. Um, In addition to demolishing churches, China authorities there forcibly commandeered and repurposed an unknown number of churches and religious sites. Under the direction of the Chinese president, officials carried out the third year of its, quote, five-year plan, for the, I, th- I think I'm saying this right, cynicization of Christianity. Um, they're really trying to eradicate Christianity, basically, from what I understand. Authorities there in China persecuted 100% of house churches. Police, uh, formally as well as informally, summoned and questioned every church's main leader. Now, this is, where are where's the outcry from free nations and from other countries And I would love for you to just speak to this, what's happening in China alone, one of the worst countries for religious freedom. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, I guess what you're saying, David, is the left is not tolerant, right? Right, yeah, exactly. (laughs) They talk talk about tolerance, then they get the levers of power, and suddenly tolerance for Christianity disappears. Mm. I mean, I guess I would call attention to the fact that why are they in China, in communism, so upset about Christianity? Well, I think the reason is because in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, I believe it is, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So the principles of Christianity are completely antithetical to totalitarianism. And so if you have a totalitarian mentality and you get the levers of power, They understand the first thing you do is you stamp out institutions which teach freedom, and they understand it correctly as Christianity. Mm. And the problem is, every time you try to stamp out Christianity, historically, the church grows. You know, the underground church in China and Iran, you know, is exploding when you talk to, you know, insiders. And, you know, we've had some issues with China, we've had missionaries from our church regularly go to china and they can't go anymore you know because of the clampdowns from the the leadership there recently
3: mm.
2: so you know uh, i i guess what i'd like to communicate is that's what the left will do to america if the american people are naive enough or simple enough to give them the keys of political power mm. all the talk about diversity will quickly disappear and they will go to war. They they have already to some extent, but they will go to war at, at, over or against any institution that they perceive as antithetical to their "state is God" agenda.
1: Hmm. Um, <sighs> there's so much, so many directions we could go from that as far as China's influence. On America, This push for globalism, what's happening with our big tech, what's happening in our own government, in the deep state. But that will have to be for another conversation, Andy, because we really want to talk about anti-Semitism that is almost never reported in the liberal media today, in the mainstream media. Um, you talked in your pastor's point of view uh, this past Sunday about uh, nations against Israel, and some, there were a couple shocking stories to me, and that one in France, I think, where uh, mm-hmm. someone killed a Jew, and, and uh, there's a comparison to if you threw a dog out, out a window, you'd be in jail, but this person was on marijuana. We'll get to that story, but some shocking things. Um, but I wa- this reminded me, by the way, of everything coming against Israel again. It reminded me of your book, uh, The Middle East Meltdown, The Coming Islamic Invasion of Israel. Um, This is fascinating. Is there a connection to your pastor's point of view and some of what you discussed in your book?
2: Yeah, Yes, because in that book, you know, based on Ezekiel 38 and 39, you know, I try to explain that the prophetic scenario involves a situation where Israel won't have a friend in the world. Mm -hmm. And actually, that's exactly where God wants her because she'll be in a position where she'll have to trust God, because no one else will come to her aid. Wow. And that's what's being unpacked there in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and that's what I try to explain, you know, in my book, The Middle East Meltdown. And so the big question then becomes, well, what do you do with uh, nations that are historically the friends of Israel? Well, those alliances have to shift um, Zechariah 12 and verse 3 and Zechariah 14 and verse 2 are both crystal clear that all nations will come against, you know, Israel and Jerusalem in the last days, and that would include the United States, mm-hmm. if all means all, which it does. It would include Europe. And so that's why some of those stories about some of the new players that have come on board in the uh, the Biden administration that are very anti-Israel was very interesting to me. And that's why that story coming out of France about a Muslim, you know, citing the Quran, who throws an elderly Jew out of a window, uh, is not tried for the crime because of cannabis his influence under cannabis, wow. whereas if you throw a dog, you know, out of the window, um, you can be criminally prosecuted for that. Yep. So the, the the tide against the Jews is turning, just like the Bible predicts.
3: Yes,
1: and we many of us remember history, what happened in the 1930s and 1940s, those of us, uh, they, if they still teach history in most pub, public schools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, Andy, you, you talked about Biden's team... Uh, Well, first of all, every administration puts together those they want to fill a certain position based on their worldview in part. Um, And Joe Biden's administration is no different. He, he of course, grabbed many of the same uh, players from the Obama administration. But I would love for you to talk about um, Biden's team of Israel. Haters. There's an article over at Front Page Magazine that you pointed out, and there's just some disturbing people in the Biden administration that we rarely hear anything about in our news. But should Christians be concerned?
2: Yeah. Well, this comes from um, an article by Robert Spencer. Uh, The title title of it is Biden's Team of Israel Haters, and he mentions about five people which most Americans know almost nothing about. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll just quickly name him. Robert Malley, um, special envoy to Iran, has become notorious over the years for his support of Iran's Islamic regime and pronounced distaste for Israel. Uh, Rima Dodeen, who during the second int- inf- intifada in 2002 spoke about the Palestinian-Israeli conflict with residents of Lodi, California, saying that suicide bombers were the last resort of a desperate people. So in other words, she's granting moral equivalence to what Israel is doing and suicide bombers hmm. coming into the land of Israel. Number three is uh, Moher Bitter, and it says here, while a student at Georgetown University, he was a member of the executive board of the viciously pro-Jihad, anti-Israel students for justice with Palestine. Of course. For justice in Palestine, and was seen dancing in front of a banner that said, divest from Israeli apartheid. So he was trying to make the case that Israel is no different than South Africa. She's an apartheid state, which, by the way, is a lie at its core, because you have Mm non-Jewish members of the Knesset. Something that wouldn't have happened in a, an apartheid state. And then it mentions uh, Wendy Sherman. She was the lead negotiator for Barack Obama's disastrous nuclear deal with I- Iran. Um, you have, uh, let's see, Uzra Zia, who worked for the magazine Washington Post on Middle East affairs and its publishing group, which is very anti Israel. You have Haiti Ammer uh... who in two thousand and two repeated a uh, palestinian jihad propaganda which is quoted in the article and then last but not least is Colin call he thinks that the bombing of the nuclear reactor in iraq in nineteen eighty one was a mistake among other things so you know and by the way he was in favor of uh... the very anti israeli u.n security council u.n resolution 2334, which basically indicated that Israelis building neighborhoods within Judea and Samaria was a violation of international law, and the Obama administration did nothing to stop that Security wow. Council resolution from coming into existence. But the bottom line is you're dealing with people that are radical. Yes. You know, you know, they're far to the left of what Mr. and Mrs. America think about foreign policy and politics and one of the things to understand about politics is is personnel is policy you can tell what a uh, president's policy is based on the personnel he employs. Yes. And this is the type of radicalism that we see now in the White House.
1: Yes, if you're looking at politics as, as, in a baseball analogy, we're talking about in far left field, then you've got to go out into the left stands and the bleachers, but then you've got to actually leave the stadium. Some of these people are so far left and, and out of the game in a way. The Washington Times revealed that Iran's uh, foreign minister, Mohammad Javad Zarif, met with Robert Malley who, as uh, Andy mentioned in this article, he is the Biden administration's special envoy to Iran, and he was President Obama's Middle East advisor, and now apparently he's trying to undo all of the things that the Trump administration did to have good relations with Israel and to support our greatest ally. Andy, we've just got a minute and a half left. Um, I know when we come back from our break, I want to get into Revelation uh, twelve, which you made some fascinating connections to what's happening prophetically, and you can explain that more thoroughly. We actually just have a minute, but is there any other uh, point you would like to make from any of these people, or just the fact that we should wake up to the fact that the Biden administration is these some of these people are in there, and they're there for a reason.
2: Well, we're you know we're at the point where people have to start doing independent research. Yes, and that's where you've got to start getting on board with people like Robert Spencer, because you're not going to see these people highlighted um, on the nightly news, and you wouldn't even know, you know, that they're there unless you went to the right websites and read the right articles. So, you know, we're to the point where the news has become so tilted and it censors so many things, you know, so that we can't even know what's going on. That we got to really get into the mindset of doing primary source research, or else we'll just be blinded as to what's happening in our country.
1: Amen. I want to remind everybody we do have a resource that you can go to at uh, standitforthetruth.com. In the upper left hand corner, you'll see the word resources. Andy Wood's ministry is on there. It's over 150 resources that we recommend. You got to get your information. When we come back, We'll talk about Revelation 12. Also, do Jewish lives matter only in theory? More with Pastor Andy Woods in just a minute. Your monthly financial support
0: of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo.
1: Our guest today, Pastor Andy Woods, and we're just going through a lot of information relating to religious freedom to anti-Semitism, which we very rarely hear talked about in the media or the public square, and there's that's on purpose. There's a reason for that, and you mentioned, Andy, at the close of that last segment that we've got to do our own research. We've got to go to sources that we can trust. We cannot go to the old, what we thought were reliable news sources. They're putting out a lot of propaganda today, and we'll, we'll, maybe, God willing, we'll get to some of the stuff they're putting out uh, regarding the RONA, and vaccines. But um, Revelation 12, I would love for you to talk about that. You brought that up in your recent pastor's point of view. It is symbolic, but it's very clear what it is talking about, and I would love for you just to share your thoughts on how this relates to the topic today.
2: Right. Well, Revelation 12 is very interesting because it's the most uh, symbolic chapter in the most symbolic book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Hmm. And it's very interesting because people have always said you can't understand the book of Revelation, it's so symbolic, and yet I can tell you exactly what's happening in the most symbolic chapter.
3: Hmm.
2: Not because I'm smart or anything like that, it's because the symbols are all identified for you. I mean, it's very clear what's symbolic, And then it's very clear how to interpret the symbols. And when you go through there, you'll see a woman clothed with the sun and the moon and the 12 stars. And if you go back to Joseph's dream in Genesis chapter 37, verses 9 and 10, you'll see that's a dead ringer for the nation of Israel. And then it mentions the dragon, Mm -hmm. and the dragon in that chapter is called the serpent, or verse 9, Satan of old. And when you look at Revelation chapter 12, <clears throat> verses 13 through 17, what you'll see is the dragon hates the woman or Israel. Interesting. Now, why does the dragon or Satan hate Israel? He hates Israel because God, in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, said, I will bless the world, you know, through Israel. Every blessing that we have today as Gentile Christians, whether it be the Scripture or the Messiah, or the coming kingdom uh... has come into our world via the nation of israel and so satan's agenda has always been to blot out israel satan's agenda in old testament times was to prevent the messiah from being born by blotting out the jews and that round he failed and now his agenda is to stop the second coming because he enjoys his reign as the prince and power, you know, of the air currently, and he doesn't want the kingdom to come. He knows it's going to come through Israel, so his agenda is to wipe out the nation of Israel. Mm. And that's why Revelation 12 is so interesting because it tells you the the attitude that Satan has for the Jews when it uses words like persecuted the woman, uh, hurled water <laughs> out of his mouth against the woman or Israel. He was enraged with the woman.
3: Hmm.
2: He goes off to make war. The Greek there is polemos, as in polemic. He goes off to make war against Israel. You'll see all this terminology in Revelation 12, verses 13 through 17. In fact, if you look very carefully at verse 17, you'll see the word rage, which is the Greek word orge and orgay you can recognize a lot of sexual terminology coming from that word orgay but it's basically a word that means unbridled passion hmm. and here it's not speaking of passion in the sexual sense but it's speaking of passion in the emotional sense and so that's how satan you know originally an angel feels when he looks at the woman or israel he, he, What comes over him is this uncontrolled rage.
3: Interesting, yeah.
2: And once you begin to understand this, suddenly the mystery of anti-Semitism is cleared up. You know, why is there this irrational hatred for the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that's tr- literally transgenerational? You mentioned earlier the Nazis and the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. You start to see explanations of Dachau and... Um, You know, all the things that the Nazis did to the Jews and all the things that really the Jews have suffered throughout human history, you know, it's part of the angelic conflict. And this issue of anti-Semitism is not going to go away. It's going to actually reach a fever pitch or a zenith in the second half of the Tribulation period. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what you see described there in Revelation chapter 12, verses 6 through 17, where Satan will lose access once and for all to heaven. You know, when you read the Bible, you see that Satan, even in his fallen state, can still go into heaven, not to worship and serve as he once did as a high-ranking angel, but to communicate and accuse. And that privilege is going to be taken away midway through the tribulation period, and he's going to plummet to the earth knowing he has but a short time, Hmm. a short time there is 42 months, and the Bible says, woe to the earth, you know, when this happens, and he will immediately attack the woman, or Israel, and try to swallow her up.
1: Fascinating.
2: And in fact, when you factor in Zechariah's prophecies, he's going to be successful at destroying two-thirds of the Jewish people. And you'll see that in Zechariah 13, verses 8 and 9. But fortunately, God steps in, and he'll protect Israel during this terrible time period and preserve a remnant, resulting in a converted Israel at the end of the Tribulation. But when you study these passages, you start to see very clearly the mystery or the source of anti-Semitism.
1: That's right. It's, and I like the way you pointed out, it is an irrational hatred toward Christians and particularly towards Jews, because the root is, it is demonic. It is Satan driving this hatred, and some people know not what they do, literally. They, they are hating the Jews or hating Christians, and I'm glad you, you uh, cleared that up, because Revelation 12 shouldn't be a confusing chapter. It's interesting, though, when you think, Andy, about the woman, Israel, the red dragon, uh, Satan, and the male child, Christ, even the angel, you know, Michael. You think about that. We never hear this, or rarely, have I heard it mentioned around Christmas time. But that's an interesting. Is there a connection there to the giving birth to the Christ child?
2: Well, you know, your mind and my mind, I guess, think a lot alike <laughs> because I, I've said for years. I've said it to my congregation, and I've said it to my fellow pastors. I said, you know, they've all heard Luke one and two mm-hmm. on Christmas time. You know, they've all heard your sermon on that. Put that away. Put that in, at the bottom of your file drawer and give them a Christmas message that they've never heard before. Mm. Teach Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Mm. Now, that that's a Christmas message. Yes. Because Satan, it's a it's a revelation there of how Satan worked over time all the way through the Old Testament to try to prevent the birth of Jesus. And God... Superintended and allowed the Christ child to be born to pay a penalty, you know, for our sins. And beyond all odds, Jesus was born into our world, despite mm-hmm. every satanic attempt that can be thrown at the lineage leading to Christ to derail that project. And that's the Christmas message. Uh, yeah. Jesus should have never been born, <laughs> but he was yes. miraculously. And you start God. talking like that on uh, Christmas morning to your flock or Christmas Eve or whatever, and boy, you're, you're going to get their attention.
1: <laughs> and then they're thinking, well, gosh, I guess these these presents that I put on my credit card don't matter as much as this, <laughs> the truth of this story. So, Pastor Andy, just, just verse 17 to wrap up that, uh, chapter 12. So the dragon was enraged with the woman, went off to make war with the rest of her children— who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus, would that include um, Jews who believe and Christians in the rest of her children?
2: Yeah, I think there it's a, it's a statement. You know, it's, there's a specific context there, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, the world is being reached at that time by the 144,000 Jewish evangelists yes. that are described in Revelation 7, and... The fruit of the efforts of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, 12,000 from each tribe, is described in the second half of Revelation chapter 7. Mm -hmm. And so Satan is going to war with those people as well. And that's why they're all, you know, the best I can tell, most of them are martyred. Uh, As they're individually martyred, you know, progressively, they start ending up there in heaven. Mm. It's describing more of a process rather than a single event. And uh, I think that's what that particular passage is talking about. But by way of application to us, anybody that's been positively influenced by the ministry of Jesus, which has come into the world through uh, the Jewish people, they become a target of Satan as well. And that's why we're told in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, to put on the full armor of God.
1: Amen. Amen, brother. Um, Let's move on now. You mentioned earlier um, an article. We referred to a story that was in this article, Do Jewish Lives Matter Only in Theory? And I pulled it up, and there's a statement in there that I, I really think is important. I'm glad he made it. Um the author, It is being a Bible believer and modern day follower of Yeshua the Messiah. I believe that all lives matter to God and should matter to us as well. And it makes the point that there's all this attention in the last two to four, five, six years about black lives matter. And as we know, it's a global, network that is very uh, Marxist-driven, anti-Christian, godless, and anti-family, and anti-American. It is a global network, Black Lives Matter, and globally funded, and there's not much emphasis on Jewish lives mattering, and as you said earlier, this is by design. Could you maybe share a little bit more about that story that we alluded to where there was actually a a woman that was thrown out the window? Can you share a little bit about that? It's disturbing, but we don't hear about things like this, Andy.
2: Right. Well, this is part of the left that they never have to answer for, uh, for whatever reason. They always, you know, are real big on the racism issue, but they themselves are some of the biggest racists in terms of anti-Semitism. When you look at the the speeches of people like uh, Louis Farrakhan, and the like. But this particular article, it's dealing with a 65-year-old Jewish woman in France, a retired doctor, Mm. who was basically tortured by her neighbor. And he did this while he was citing verses from the Quran and calling her a dirty Jew. And then he threw her out a window, and in the process he indicated that I have killed the Satan. And then... Amazingly this particular article by the way written by one of my friends uh, Olivier Melnick his ministry is uh, you can find it at the newantisemitism.com his whole ministry he's a a Jew and he's actually from France and he's a believer in uh, Yeshua or the Lord Jesus Christ and his whole ministry is essentially tracking down antisemitism historically and in the world today. In fact, mm. David, I would actually recommend you know that you have him on sometime as a, one of your guests, if okay. you're looking for some guests. But anyway, he writes this article about how um, the uh, authorities there in France, once they realized that this particular person that committed this murder was high on marijuana, uh, the French justice system decided that he would not stand trial and so he was actually acquitted if you can believe it in april of 2021 and melnick makes the point at the end of his article where he says incidentally france is a country where people will get 1 year in prison if they throw their dog out of the window hmm. so is the life of a dog worth more than the life of a jewish person question mark he says it would appear so oh, wow. exclamation point So this is the kind of thing that is bubbling to the surface in our world. I don't think it should surprise us in light of what we talked about earlier in Revelation chapter 12. But Satan is a pretty clever guy. Uh, He understands prophecy. Mm. He understands the end of Matthew 23, verses 37 through 39, which indicates that the Jews that are in faith at that time will literally call Jesus back to the earth by citing Psalm 118, verse 26. That's what launches the second advent of Christ, not the rapture, but the second advent. And Satan knows what better way to stop that prophecy from being fulfilled than to eradicate from planet earth Every physical descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that's just another angle on what we spoke of earlier concerning the source or the mystery of anti-Semitism.
1: Amen. And we, I, I wish, yeah, I am going to try to get a hold of um, that guest, and, and I've got the article linked at StandUpForTheTruth dot com and the blog today with your podcast, this podcast, and um, yeah, I would love to talk more about that. I don't think we hear enough about it, and sounds like he's been doing this for a while. Um, Let me see here. Let's let's just go since we're—boy, it's going by fast. Um, We've only got three minutes in this segment. Uh, I wanted to get to the moral decline of the USA, another section in your pastor's point of view. Um, We briefly mentioned this a week or so ago uh, when the Biden administration uh, authorized U.S. diplomatic missions to fly the LGBTQ pride flag— And this is just, it's not surprising. Didn't Obama do this too, Andy?
2: Well, you know, I can't remember exactly, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did. But, you know, flying the LGBTQ pride flag on the same pole as the American flag at embassies and consulates, which is a Biden administration reversal of a policy that was active during the Trump administration, It just shows you that the normalization of perversion is what's happening here. And when you read Gibbon's um, Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire, you know, it's a book, respected historical book, showing why Rome deteriorated. I mean, Gibbon shows there that when any civilization takes homosexuality and normalizes it, which is what's happening today, that civilization will probably crumble from within, as oh. did ancient Rome. And so that's why that story was somewhat interesting to me. Mm. Um,
1: we've got just a couple more minutes now. One of them, my uh, board op says one minute left. Thank you, spike. we <laughs> um okay, we need to talk about the border, and we need to talk about the Rona a little bit, which I guess now the big topic is vaccine passports. And a lot of our friends in in ministry and guests to this podcast have been banned, censored. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. That's the subject for tomorrow, censorship, Uh, big tech, and everything else. The government now coming against, they're calling it misinformation or medical misinformation when people are just bringing up their concerns about being forced to be injected with something into your body. Um, so these vaccine passports, you can't move about the country anymore. Uh, Andy, in the in we've, the 30 seconds we have left, just, just your thoughts as we set up this next segment when we come back.
2: Well, just real quick, I've got three situations now going on in my local church where people are having to decide between their job or the jab. Mm. And um, they're going to their companies and articulating their religious concerns, and, the you know, the legal system just says you, you just have to be a sincere believer in whatever religious concern you have. You don't have to prove your religious concern as long as it's a sincerely held belief. And these employers are rolling right over these people and they're losing their jobs as a result.
1: Wow. We never thought we'd see this. Um, but this is where we're at today. Globalism is increasing. We've got more coming up with Dr. Andy Woods, and we're going to talk about even a funeral aid program that allows death certificates to be altered for those who may have died of COVID. That and a lot more when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here.
0: Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com podcast. Now back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo.
1: Our guest is Andy Woods. And uh, we a couple disturbing articles here over at the uh, Epic Times, Canada is now planning to align with allies on vaccine passports. Um, this is a policy to require travelers to provide proof that they have been vaccinated against the China virus prior to allowing them into the country. That's now in the works thanks to globalist um, Justin Trudeau. Um, but Andy, we, we teased this article before we took a break And you put this in your pastor's point of view. I find it to be really disappointing and disturbing, but not totally surprising. A funeral aid program now allows death certificates to be altered for those who may have died of COVID. I hadn't heard about this over at Just the News. Uh, Share what you know about this.
2: Well, it's the old uh, management by crisis uh, philosophy, You know, we all know what Rahm Emanuel said back in 2009, never let a good crisis go to waste. And boy, they know how to exploit crises, these people. And they're taking COVID and they're turning it into, you know, the worst thing ever. When if you look at the death rates, you know, they're very, very minuscule. It's like a bad flu season. But, you know, how do you get the numbers up? That's that's the big goal here. You've got to convince people that this is a crisis level. You've got to change the numbers. Um, and so one of the ways they're doing it, apparently, according to this article by uh, uh, Nicholas Balassi, April thirteenth, two 2021, that you referenced a moment ago, it says here, in order to receive reimbursement for funeral costs, under a new fema program uh all you really have to do is say well you know grandpa he died because he slipped on a banana peel or whatever and let's just go change that to make it make his death you know somehow covid related and if you do that then all of a sudden you get a check in the mail from the federal government covering your funeral costs which we all know can be very very costly and so, what an what an ingenious way to push up the COVID numbers, yep. to push up this this uh, management by crisis mindset.
1: Not only that, but spend America into oblivion. I mean, if you've got more, uh, the number of COVID deaths, if you've got all these people suddenly filing for reimbursement for funerals, even if they may have or may not have died of COVID, I can just see the corruption and the just people taking advantage of that system and lying. Um, just so unfortunate, but that was according to Senator, or Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. And, of course, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. Um, she says your loved one should have COVID on their death certificate as a primary or contributing cause of death. So we'll hear more about this since it's a federal program, FEMA. We'll hear more about this, but I want to point to the numbers. You mentioned that numbers, and I loved Rand Paul. Uh, tearing into Dr. Fauci about numbers, give us well, what you're just being vague. Give us some some. You keep moving the goalposts. Give us some specifics. I just loved that a couple weeks ago. But Texas and Florida fully opened, and they're reporting fewer COVID cases than Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, which are all led by uh, Democrats. Um, so your thoughts on this Andy? nobody's mentioning that no one's making these comparisons to these states that have been open the South Dakotas the the Oklahoma's the Texas the Florida's and these Democrat states seem to be the numbers maybe are going up I don't get it and they're really restricted
2: right well it's an article from FoxNews.com, dot com April 25th 2021 And I found it very interesting because it's exactly the opposite of what you're getting from the mainstream or better said, (laughs) lamestream media. You know, we're all told we've got to, you know, lock down everything uh, to get the COVID numbers under control. And the states with the fewest COVID restrictions, like my state, for example, Texas, and Florida, you know, have the best numbers in that regard, and the states that are bluest, like Pennsylvania, New York, and Michigan. You know, Michigan, the governor there has got everybody under lockdown, by the way, except her own husband. (laughs) She doesn't have him under lockdown. That's right. He can violate the rules at will when you follow some of the news that's come out of there. But you know, all of these severe lockdown states, um, the COVID numbers there in comparison to Texas and Florida are quite high. And once again, it's another example of something you're not going to get from mainstream news outlets. So we got to do our own independent research.
1: And this, of course, uh, probably maybe part of their motive is to keep the numbers up to say, well, wait a minute, the masks aren't They're effective. You still have to wear the masks, but you need the vaccine. That will really do it. They're pushing the vaccine. And that, of course, opens up this conversation, Andy, about vaccine passports being forced to be vaccinated. I mean, there's a huge, huge difference between requiring a vaccination for yellow fever, which has maybe a 50 percent mortality rate and requiring a vaccine for the Wuhan flu, COVID-19, with less than a 2%, even less than a 1% mortality rate. There, what, is our, what is our biggest problem with not really looking at this uh, contextually, all the facts, all the information? Um, what is our biggest problem? Is it just the, the media? Is it the government agenda? What is it?
2: Well, I think they're trying to hurt us a particular direction, and at some point, you have to ask yourself, what is the end game? You know, why is information being censored or taken off social media that contradicts the narrative? Why does everybody? Why do they want everybody vaccinated so badly? Well, if you listen to people like Naomi Wolf, mm-hmm. and I like to quote Naomi Wolf because she is no conservative. I mean, she was, uh, I think, an advisor to President uh, Bill Clinton. Yes. And she's also very interesting because she understands technology. I think she's the head of some kind of tech firm, founder, CEO, something to that extent of a tech firm. So she understands technology pretty well. And what basically what she says, and you probably saw the video yourself, David, that was making the rounds a few weeks ago on social media, but she says these COVID passports are the kiss of death to freedom. Amen. Because everything you know, that you do will now be monitored via a computer. Hmm. And once that happens, any type of dissenters, you know, are suddenly shut out of the system. They can't get the government loan they need. They can't put their kids into the best schools. Their their bank is shut out. And she says this is what opens the door to uh, the whole social credit score system that China you mentioned earlier China that China is currently using to control the masses you know yeah at some point you have to wonder how can a small communist party control the population that size in China and the answer is the social credit system yes where you know if you don't behave you know if you don't recycle or if you go to the wrong church or if you have the wrong friends, or you maybe you 've spoken out against the regime, then your life shrinks you 're almost put in an electronic concentration camp where you can 't travel you can 't get a passport you can 't put your kids you know into the best schools, and so it 's a great way to control and monitor behavior and Naomi Wolf is very clear that once we open the door to these covid passports, that is what is coming into the fabric culturally of the United States of America and so when you ask me where's this whole thing going I I think that's the direction
1: and other corporations and companies are are maybe not working in unison with the globalists but their their technologies are advancing for example you shared another article in your pastors point of view last week MasterCard introduces an app for banks that will track your spending habits and measure your carbon footprint <laughs> oh my goodness but they they can use they can track you now so this is all going to you know work together with these uh you know vaccine passports. they're going to know what you've done your medical history and uh, more w- what are your concerns about that pastor andy
2: well my my biggest concern with it is the unbiblical priorities mm. Because when you talk about uh, managing someone's carbon footprint, basically you bought into a worldview which says man is the curse. (laughs) Man is the scourge, and the planet has to be kept safe from man, which is completely backwards from what God says in Genesis chapter 1, particularly verses 26 through 28. You know, we're obviously not here to trash the planet. We're here to be good stewards of it. But we do it on God's behalf, and God, to Adam, put man in authority over creation. Mm. And this kind of carbon footprint and our actions needing to be monitored mindset is the exact opposite. Now man is subservient to, you know, Mother Earth. Mm. And so it's just a way to reduce um, the freedom of people, reduce the importance of people, and to put um, an inanimate object over human beings, Paul, in the book of Romans, chapter 1, you know, verses 18 through 32, talks about how they began to worship the creation uh, rather than the Creator. Yeah. And that's my biggest problem with this MasterCard proposal.
1: And one more thing we skipped over, there was um, a village in Alaska that <laughs> it was almost like, is this an experiment for the country or something? Uh, they banned unvaccinated people from in-person shopping. People who have not received experimental coronavirus shots, however, that means the vaccine, experimental gene therapy, aka vaccine, can still make phone orders, and their orders will be delivered to their home. That was um, uh, that came out April twenty-second. This is just like wow. Are more cities or? county is going to try this kind of thing. Your speculation on that before we wrap up today, Andy?
2: Well, I, I think all these things are um, being beta tested.
3: Hmm.
2: You know, I, I think you probably know Alex Newman yes. um, of the New American. I was listening to one of his presentations because I think he used to live in Europe, and he basically said, you know, everything that is has been going on in Southern California, you know, for the last 10 years— you know conver- conversion therapy bans and all these mm-hmm. kinds of things i mean he already saw that in europe and they were sort of beta testing it in europe before they tried it out on a larger you know audience mm-hmm. and so you have to pay attention to this village in alaska with just 500 people where people are told hey you don't ha- you don't know vaccination you don't get to come in this store and uh, we'll drop food off to your house you oh, know wow but you can't can't come in and you know I don't know about you David but that sounds an awful lot like revelation 13 mm-hmm. verses 16 through 18 where the bible predicts a time will come when you can't buy or sell without receiving a particular mark and if they can do it to a whole village in terms of beta testing that mm-hmm. means they have plans of rolling that out you know to the larger population you know, ultimately a state, ultimately yeah. our whole nation, and ultimately the world.
1: Yep, and I that seems to be the way they're going. Um, uh, thank you for pointing that out in your recent pastor's point of view, Andy Woods, Sugarland Bible Church in Texas, Andy Woods Ministries. Uh, check out his book, "The Coming Kingdom," another excellent work, and also we'll link to your Facebook page as well. Thank you for your time today, brother. God bless you. Keep speaking the truth and fighting the good
2: fight. Yeah, thank you, and the time goes way too fast. I know it does. God bless you, brother. All
1: right, when we come back, we'll let you know who our guests are. Uh, We'll look into next week a little bit, and we've got a couple scheduled changes, including tomorrow. When we come back on Stand Up for the Truth, keep it right here. Stand Up for the Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore
0: Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media, Stand Up WI, on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's
1: Stand Up For The Truth. Okay, so next week, I want to jump ahead real quick. Matt Trewella, missionaries to the preborn, and defy tyrants. Uh, we'll have Pastor Matt Monday. Tuesday, William Cook of the Black-Robed Regiment out in Virginia. And uh, Wednesday, you will hear from Pastor Steve Smotherman, a brand-new podcast. Thursday, General William Boykin of the Family Research Council and Wretched Radio's Todd Friel next Friday. Tomorrow, Natasha Crane had to reschedule uh, due to a medical uh, doctor's appointment she had. We are going to talk about censorship and the big tech tyranny we're seeing and a whole lot more on Stand For The Truth tomorrow. Thank you so much again for your prayers and your support. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.